Welcome to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with UW Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and gardening enthusiast Jerry Urshabek. Presented by UW Extension and originally aired on KGOS and KERM in Torrington. Good morning. This is Jeff Edwards. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. In studio today, I have Jerry Urshabek. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Jeff. How are you today? Uh, actually, excellent. Fantastic. That's that's great. And we have with us Roberta Luke, a local master gardener and a pumpkin grower. Good morning, Roberta. Good morning. <laughs> We're glad to have you here today. <laughs> Thank you. Let's uh, listen to some messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. We'll get back to Jeff and his guests in just a moment. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Podcast, presented by UW Extension. Extending the land-grant mission across the state of Wyoming with a wide variety of educational programs and services. Visit us at www.uwyo.edu slash uwe or search UW Extension at the main uwyo.edu page. There you can look up the location of your county office, browse our many programs, and access tons of UW Extension publications to help not only your gardening pursuits, but also economic information, rangeland management tips, and so much more. Check it out today. Now, back to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with Jeff Edwards. Hey, good morning. We're back. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Show, uh, otherwise known as the Horticultural Hour of Wonder, because we're still trying to figure out what we're going to talk about today. Um, But uh, I, I have a question. Did you all make it out last evening to see the strawberry moon come up? Actually, we did not. The It's a misnomer that the moon might be uh, red. It was just about the time that the strawberries were ripe. Is that correct? <laughs> true. Uh, that's what I read. And it depends on if there's a fire in the area, too. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that turns everything red. Yeah. Uh, last night was kind of an interesting evening. About 8 o'clock, it was really pleasant. The wind, There was no wind at all. And then uh, about 9, a little bit after 9 o'clock, there was a interesting windstorm that came up. I would have to classify that as a shingle peeler. Oh, we had some, we had, to, our neighbor has a, a tree that has, uh, unfortunately, a lot of dead branches. And there was one right in the middle of the road this morning. Yeah, we, uh, we walked outside last night to take the flags down because we could hear it coming. And uh, uh, the temperature was actually going up. So I looked at the temperature at nine o'clock and it was almost 94 degrees yeah we had an umbrella that is now an inverted umbrella <laughs> so we we didn't get our sails kind of curled up <laughs> you didn't get the hatches battened down did you <laughs> no short and sail yeah yesterday was interesting uh, very warm oh 105 i've heard is the all-time high yeah we broke some records yeah and but then today at least what's not settled in right today we're supposed to only be in the 80s which is kind of <laughs> nice <laughs> you know the, those 40 degree shifts in temperature no wonder people get sick yeah exactly um let's see uh roberta yes so um what are you what do you have going on uh, in your garden or in your flower beds um i've already uh put my second application of fertilizer for my roses on. Wow, And good I girl. didn't do it. I did it um, last weekend when it was a little bit cooler. Do you do that on a monthly schedule? Um, three times a year. Okay. Right in the very beginning. Like, I did it early this year because I knew I had things going on in May. So I did it, like, the end of April because it, it was so warm and the, the bud was starting to break. Sure. 
So I did it, and then I'll do it like the end of August. But I always do it on a cool, try to do it on a cool day. Okay. Yeah. It's better and, than fertilizing on a top. End of August? End of August. Would be the last application. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, uh, really important to keep that fertilization schedule fairly consistent with roses. Right. Well, and with all plants, we don't want to dump all the fertilizer on at once because bad things can happen and uh, it's better to figure out what you need for the entire season and then try to get it on uh, at a schedule so uh, what roberta's doing with her roses is typical for any number of things it could be turf it could be your garden it could be uh, uh, just because we just don't want to have that heavy overload you bet at the beginning yep you bet so hey 105 that proverbial frying an egg on the sidewalk. I think it happened yesterday. It happened yesterday, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't try it. But there's those science kids that always do that, and you know it does happen. That egg, if you leave it there for a little bit, it will fry. Sure, that's. Yeah. It's just crazy. It was really warm yesterday. Um, oh, okay. Questions. All right, we've got a question already. Tomatoes got hail. Does she need to fertilize? So in the past, we've uh, we've discussed this a little bit, and um, uh, any crop after a hail seems to respond better if there is some fertilization that happens afterwards. So um, it'll help that plant recover, but don't overdose it. You know, just uh, do a, a moderate amount. Taste. Yep, yep, to try to get them to regenerate growth and clip off your damaged. Mm-hmm. limbs if you have stuff hanging just go ahead and clip that off unfortunately hail opens a lot of wounds on things and allows for diseases to get in so be uh, watchful of that yeah that's where those screens come in handy yeah uh, if you have some old screens uh, uh, you can put those up for shade uh, yesterday would have been a good day for shade for uh, pumpkins uh, would have been a good We'll get to pumpkins in a minute. <laughs> good, good thing, good thing for humans. Yeah. So uh, uh, we've talked about shade before, right? You know, we have such intense uh, sunlight in Wyoming, and many, many days of it. Uh, shade cloth or shade planting in shady areas is not a bad idea. Idea. We know that um, peppers and tomatoes and those types of things respond better to a little bit of shade and and uh, produce better so uh, if you have the opportunity to provide shade to not only your your pets and yourselves but to your plants they will perform a little bit better yeah not a bad idea corn if you have consistent high temperatures for corn even corn will stop growing all plants will stop growing if it's really really hot usually anything above 85 degrees most plants stop growing Um, what's critical for corn is when uh, we have really hot days and it's pollinating. Uh, the the ears won't fill right if it's really hot uh, mm. when it's pollinating. So, it uh, you know it's it is time to be getting that water to all of our crops. <laughs> <laughs> Ditch and irrigate. That's right. Now, isn't there uh, different degrees of shade cloth? Yes. Uh, so there so there is a uh, company, several companies out there that you can purchase shade cloth from. Um, and if you are specifically purchasing shade cloth for plants, you don't want to go any darker than 30%. Uh, 
uh, any more than that, then the plants will start to get leggy and they won't respond like you think that they will. But you can get varying degrees of shade cloth on up to 99% shade. So um, you want to be wary about not, uh, or, or uh, having too much shade if you if you go that route. Yeah. Thanks, Roberta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I told Jerry we were going to play Good Bug, Bad Bug today. All right. I don't even know if you've ever heard of this bug today. Um, blister beetles? I have heard of those, uh, but I don't know if they're a good bug or a bad bug. I'm going to I'm gonna guess. Roberta, what do you think? I think bad. I'm going to say good. <laughs> Just to be different, Just aren't you? Just to be different. <laughs> so uh, blister beetles, the adults, um, feed on alfalfa. The flowers in alfalfa. Ooh, bad so, bug. So bad bug, right? Um, the the blood, their blood has a substance in it called cantharidin, and it causes blisters, and it's highly toxic to horses. Good bug, bad bug. Bad bug. Well, here's the other side of that. The larvae are predators of grasshoppers. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so so we have we have kind of an inner 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 community bug. Right. We we have a could be potentially bad bug, right? We don't want to poison our horses, but we also have one that in a, in a portion of its life stage is a beneficial insect. So should we just keep our horses out of the field when that bug is is present or is it present you well, the what we try to do when we're uh, cutting alfalfa is to make sure that you let it lay long enough that the uh, beetles move on, okay, uh, and then you don't bale them up in the alfalfa. But this is for flowering alfalfa, correct? Right. Most people want to want to bale prior to flowering. Cut, cut and bale, uh, ten, about 10% flowering. Mm -hmm. But when we have uh, heavy years of uh, grasshoppers... So it's a predator-prey relationship. The, yeah. As the pre, as the grasshoppers increase, so do the uh, blister beetles. And then when that grasshopper population crashes, crashes, the blister beetle population crashes. And I think we're starting to see small little grasshoppers making their entrance. I think so. Yeah. So I think Roberta wanted to talk a little bit about uh, grasshoppers. I just, uh, what do you recommend for? Uh Spraying or yeah, it depends on how aggressive you want to be. Well, they're eating my raspberries and my strawberries, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to be aggressive. <laughs> so, so there's multiple substances out there that are uh, considered to be organic. There's there's uh, one that's called nolobate, um, but that one you have to put out every year so that the uh, the pathogen actually builds up in your soil and in the environment. Uh, but um, uh, if you want to be a little more aggressive and you're okay with uh, spraying an insecticide, carbaryl will work, um, uh, malathion will work, but make sure you read the label and, and look at that pre-harvest interval information so that you know that the number, of, the amount of time that needs to pass between you when you apply it to when you harvest it to eat it. Right, because I have raspberries that are... Um, um, just about almost. Ready, uh, almost ready to turn red, so I knew I couldn't spray them for sure. I'd have to spray the. I think the pre-harvest interval on carbaryl is uh, seven days. Yeah. Uh, so in malathion, I believe it's less than that, but uh, we'll yeah. yeah. Make sure you read the label. So here's always our concern 
we have cats and my my wife loves her cats and so if we bait or spray the grasshoppers the grasshoppers are now acting funny and the cats like to play with them sure play and chew and eat and we're worried sure. that there might be some residual to make our cats sick there could be but i don't know that they could eat enough grasshoppers without Without. Becoming sick from being <laughs> eating all those grasshoppers to have enough material in their system to actually be uh, for the product for the insecticide used to be toxic to the to the uh, cats. Okay, well that's that's good to know. Yeah, transference. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, back in the eighties, and I know we were using different products. Sure. But the eagles were being killed by eating poisoned coyotes do you remember that so that can that can happen yes that can happen mm -hmm. and so yeah we we're just we we're just worried about our cats and um we like our cats so we just <laughs> want to keep them around i understand that yeah well you know earlier you said that myrna really liked your cats and i was wondering if you oh, yeah, maybe did i like them too <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta have to have a symbiotic relationship with your wife and the cats and and, every, and that, every, that whole relationship. Everybody's got to get along, right? Yep. Okay, so uh, one of the reasons I brought up good bug, bad bug today is uh, we always have to be on the lookout for new things that might be invading, right? And um, there's a new pest on the horizon. Fortunately, it's not here yet. Uh, spotted lanternfly. You ever heard of that? No. So it's a uh, it's a it's a bug kind of like a uh, aphid only larger. It's in the same similar family. Okay, uh, piercing sucking mouth parts. This thing also has cantharidin in its blood. It's imported from Asia. So bad bug, really bad bug because it also feeds on crops, uh, and um, they found it as far west as Missouri right now, and it could continue to be coming this direction. Yeah. It's, it's just a, another thing that we have to watch out for. Well, and that emerald... Emerald ash borer. Ash borer. Yep. I understand that we're already testing for it. There's, there's traps out. There's traps in Cheyenne. Right. You told me last week there's traps here in Torrington. There have been. I don't know if there are right now, but there have been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So we check those traps and see if a bug is coming. Would we use that same kind of formula for those other kind of bugs as well? So most of those traps have a pheromone in them that attract either male or female versions of the insect pest of interest. So the pheromone for this thing would be different. It'd, yeah. be, a, it'd be a different but I mean, trap. But that's, that's what we do is set these traps and then look at them sure. occasionally. We do the same thing for uh, mosquitoes with West Nile, correct? Uh, yeah, trapping, I think so. I think there's a trapping program, a monitoring program. Monitoring. To, yeah, to see so what I think the population is doing. out at the golf course and out at uh, Old Fort Laramie? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, weed and pests will check those and, and uh, monitor the population and figure out if it's, hey, it's a good time to start spraying for them. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I brought you a gift today. Hey, and I see that gift. Uh, this is a is a cabbage leaf and it measures about one cubit <laughs> so so let everybody know what a cubit is it's the distance between your elbow and your middle finger and it's huge and jeff tells me it's totally organic it's come out of the out of the high tunnel 
There's no insect bites on it. It's just a perfect specimen. You could eat it just like that, Jerry. Just like that. Fill it up and... That's that's I, a traveling taco. I, I told him it'd make an awesome burrito. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, we talk about this a lot on the program, but uh, production in a high tunnel or, or some type of enclosed space, uh, it's, it's just amazing how well things grow inside of a high tunnel. And uh, to have a cabbage leaf that large and then, you know, that, that it, it's just... We're using the sun to generate food for us, is what we're doing. Yeah, and it's yeah. not a giant variety. I, I don't believe so. I it's not a. I think it was a standard variety that we got at one of the local greenhouses. And when did you plant it? I think we put it in the ground probably mid-April. As a plant or as, as a, a seed? As a plant. As a plant. Mm-hmm. Yep, got it as a start. Wow, it's uh, amazing. Do either of you grow dill? Oh yeah. Intentionally. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> dill has come up around our raised beds now for i don't know like the past six years i i cannot recall that we diane and i have ever planted dill intentionally in our garden yet we have it we have it yeah and i i and i have it in my high tunnel and i've got one plant in there that's over eight feet tall wow wow wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so so um uh as it's flowering i'm Making sure I'm I'm leaving the plant because we may use it still. Well, but yeah, you're raising cucumbers, right? Yeah, so they make um, dill pickles. Yeah, exactly, and so I go in every once in a while and check all of them, and as they're blooming, I'm clipping them off. But I'm guessing I won't get them all. Yeah, I'm guessing yes. I won't get them all. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, that's a that's yeah. a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> so there's just some amazing things going on right now. I think if you're I think if you're gardening, uh, most everything should start to be producing. Jerry, are your zucchini coming on? You know, we didn't plant any zucchini this year. Because um, you're expecting someone to give you some? We're, well, <laughs> we're locking. <laughs> the idea is, you know, you lock your doors, you lock your car doors in case uh, you have friends that have zucchini. <laughs> but uh, we didn't plant any this year. We just decided that we'd just go ahead and use Farmer's Market sure. uh, for our zucchini production. And, and uh, uh, last night was another event for the town of Torrington. Um, did look like it was well attended. We didn't stop because we had a uh, grandkid and nephew in the children's theater production. And that was ah. held last night. So, ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Roberta, do you have uh, squash growing? I do. And I, the blossoms are coming on. So, um, we'll see. And I do have a yellow squash too. I looked for a Zephyr like we had last year. Okay. Um, now a so zephyr is that a round one or is uh, that a straight? It's a yellow, crooked neck. Yellow crooked neck. With, uh-huh. It has a little bit of green, green on the end of it. It's yeah, a, yeah, on yeah. the very end, and they're very sweet. Oh yeah, so very flavorful. Yeah, I think we need to get to a point where we're sharing recipes on the program, other than garlic scape pesto. <laughs> <laughs> that is good stuff. It sure is, and I'm sure you could just do that with the cloves of the garlic as well. Uh, I think so. It'd have, it wouldn't be green, right? It'd right. It would be white unless you put green food color again. Or added some other green vegetables in it to... Some scallions, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Oh, you know what? I think it's time to take a break and uh, uh, listen to our sponsors, and we'll be back in about two minutes. 
Did you know there are a number of online educational opportunities available at the UW Extension website? And those offerings will continue to grow over the next year. We offer an animal science course for 4-H students, as well as training on community development topics. Just go to uwyo.edu and search for UW Extension. You can access the Extension online course catalog from the main page. While you're there, check out our Facebook feed or watch our extensive collection of From the Ground Up videos to get great gardening tips. Let's get back to the podcast. Okay, we're back. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. We had a caller while we were at commercial break, and um, they have cucumbers that were hailed. Is it too late to plant more? Oddly enough, my mother asked me the same exact question <laughs> just this week, and uh, I would say that it, you can plant more right now. Uh, you know, it's the 1st of July. Uh, production will be later, of course, but if we don't, if, you know, we don't know if we're going to have a late or an early freeze or frost, I would take the chance and plant more. Oh, I would too. I would too. And, you know, we've done a, an experiment of whether or not you plant seed or you plant the uh, plant. A start. A start. And so, oddly enough, the the seed does better than a plant. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and that's, that's what we've noticed in, in our experiment. So, <coughs> we bought a seed, or we had some seeds, and uh, we had the plant. And we put them side by side, and actually that seed did so much, so much better. What have, what have you noticed? I have a hard time starting seeds at my house. So. so you do plants? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a level of transplant shock that those, yeah. as you put those starts in, that they have to overcome. And um, if you plant them into the soil, they catch up and move on, and it's, it, it I don't know, it's... Six one way, half a dozen another. Sure. Whatever is convenient, whatever you want to do, I think whatever would be best. But I would. I'd take that <laughs> chance and go for it. Okay. We have a caller on the line. Let's uh, go ahead and take that. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, me and my mom walked through our field, and we have been finding little black, oh, they look like little caterpillars with like a mud buildup on their butt, and we find them out there on the pea vine. We were just kind of wondering if you guys knew what they were or if they were harmful for cattle because we have a cow out in the field. Uh, no, that should be fine. Um, not quite certain what you're trying to describe. Is there any way that you can um, collect some of them and bring them in to me? Yeah, we could probably do that. Okay. Uh, my office is out at Sarek, out at the research station at uh, Lingle. And okay. uh, if you can bring them by there, I can give you an idea what they are. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Because if anybody knows, or if anybody doesn't know, Jeff is a bug guy. Well, well and we can, if I don't know what it is, we can figure it out. <laughs> so I know some other people who can help me figure it out. Um, yeah. Uh, Jerry, you also said that you had a call? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we had a lawn question. Uh, he has rivers of slight yellowing of his lawn. And so he wondered, nitrogen, sulfur, iron, or a combination of all three, or heat stress? Rivers of yellow. Okay. Does he have trees? Yep. Are the, do you think that the tree roots might be growing underneath that 
area? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so uh, just guessing. Sure. It's possible that the tree roots are robbing nutrients from the turf. Just a, just a wild guess here. I think that uh, maybe you could apply some iron and it would green it up. Green it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this brings a question. You're always talking about soil testing. Yes. So can you soil test for turf? Yes. And so, of course, you'd have to do a six-inch test spade. Um, How would you do that? So uh, there's a uh, core a coring tool that is not the width or the depth of your shovel. Okay, so you're not as invasive. You're you're able to take a soil sample without being so invasive. It, it looks like just kind of like a uh, aeration corer. Okay, and so you can go in and in selective locations take a bunch of these cores, put them in a bucket, mix them up, and then submit the sample uh, for analysis. Probably take the grass and the clippings out. Try to take that organic matter off the top, right? And really, you're just interested in the soil underneath the where the roots are growing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, soil test would be the best. Yes. Number one, but number two, maybe a little iron, maybe a little. Sure. Sulfur. Sure. And doesn't all uh, sulfur and iron come together? Yeah. So in our soils, uh, we have high pH, and the pH ties up the availability. We have plenty of iron in our soil, but high pH ties up the iron from being available to plants. So by adding sulfur, you're lowering the pH of the soil, mm-hmm. and that will allow some iron to be released but you can also flood the system with more iron and make it make more available make it percolate right right yeah. but but again we don't want to overdo this this is just something that you want to lightly apply a soil analysis would be the best way to go to try to understand what's yeah. what's going on i'm just going to um, add that i noticed that with a lot of my roses too that i needed the sulfur to um, greening up the leaves because they were just so yellow. Yellowing. And yeah. I, once I put the sulfur on, <clears throat> and and I, then I put the iron. It yeah it worked well. Yeah. So there's there's different ways that you can do this. Was that a foliar application, Roberta? Um, yeah. Sulfur is really difficult to get in through the leaf tissue, um, but iron they make uh, liquid products that you can apply as a foliar feed. And that will help your plant green up. Yeah. Mm, good deal. Yeah. yeah. And it'll take a while. It, it takes a couple of weeks. Yeah. Ten, I, I tell people about yeah. 10 days before you'll start to see anything. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, you know what? I was going to turn the floor over to you guys so you get to spend some time talking about pumpkins. Oh, pumpkins. Since we totally <laughs> missed that topic last week. <laughs> pumpkins. Well, I'm telling you, 105 yesterday. Roberta and I were talking a little bit earlier. She said her pumpkin plant was pretty shriveled up yesterday. And so she shaded it. And that, that was a good thing. Yeah, I'll take the shade off today. Yeah, I think I think that, that plant needs probably the sunshine. But uh, just like anything else, plants, animals, humans, they need water. And, and when it's 105, that heat stress is dangerous. Uh, they ask for everything and everybody. So more consistent watering. You can also just go ahead and sprinkle that pumpkin to kind of cool it off. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have any fruit set on just Not yet. yet. No. Yeah. So um, 
I, uh, I fertilized it again. And um, every time there's a little bit of a wind, I go out there and oh. cover it. Because <laughs> <laughs> all these um, storms come through, I'm yeah. worried about it um, breaking off. So wind, wind shear is, is a, quite a problem for us around here. Uh, we recommend Kay. putting up just a little bit of a, a blockage or a or a a plastic arena around your pumpkin to try to reduce that wind shear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times they'll put chopsticks around the vine oh. or or put shingles around the plant as mm-hmm. well. But when your when your plant is about a basketball size, the plant, uh, we need to stop rototilling around it because those roots are expanding out. Quite rapidly. No more recreational rototilling. No more <laughs> recreational rototilling there, because now you want to just hand pick. But Roberta, you was telling you were telling me that you have uh, a weed, weed barrier underneath. Yes, I do, and um, just to keep the weeds down. And so um, it's got. A, I have a pretty good size hole, and uh, when the vine starts going the direction I think I want it to go, I'll start cutting and burying yeah. the vine. Yeah, cutting cutting that that uh, weed barrier would be a good thing, so you could allow that root, because we always want to now, as that vine grows, we want to bury the first ten feet of that vine, mm-hmm. and so at the leaf juncture where you have two leaves coming straight up off that vine, we really want to put some dirt over the top of it. But we've been advised to bury that whole plant that whole vine as it's growing out at least 10 feet we get micronutrients we we know why right we know why because it produces more root growth more root growth means more leaves it's feeding the plant and feeding the plant more nutrients and towards a bigger better faster giant pumpkin so should i be taking off the tertiary vines Tertiary vines are, are one of those things you always want to take off. So it's just like a Christmas tree. There's five vines that come out. The main vine is 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 good. And then you get secondary vines. So you just have your hand just up here. So I have my middle finger right here. That's the main vine. The two little vines that come off of it, secondary vine. But if you have these tertiary vines, that would be your thumb and little finger. You need to remove those. So it's like a tomato plant. They, um, the tertiary is in the middle of the two, and that's what you pick off. Okay, you bet. That's that's what I do. That's um, what you do, sure. Um, I'm a little confused. You said it's vines like a Christmas tree. Christmas tree, yeah. If you look like <laughs> if you put your hand straight up and you're looking at the palm of your hand, it is kind of like a Christmas tree, but the middle finger is the middle is the main root the primary the primary vine yeah the secondary right. vines will come off of the primary vine Usually which would which would be the pointer finger and the ring finger in your example <laughs> and then the tertiary vines in my example would be the thumb and the small finger okay so we need to remove the little finger and the thumb off of our pumpkin vines okay all right, so I'm just trying to make things visual for our listeners. Since That's you're using why I've your, got my hand, your hand right as a demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I'm not being obnoxious to anybody. But that, that middle finger would represent the main vine, the and primary that, vine, and yes. the primary vine needs to be buried ten feet out, at least ten feet out. 
But in that 10 feet, and as well as the main vine continues to grow, you're going to get a secondary vine coming off. Secondary vines are really good. They're good things. So you, you want to keep them? Keep, keep them, them. But you want to remove the tertiary vines. Okay. Do you bury the secondary vines you at bet. all? Okay. You bet. You can. Some people do. Some people don't. It's that first 10 feet that's so important to bury. Okay. You bet. All right. And so at this point in the game yeah. of, of pumpkin production, that's what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. But nobody has 10 foot yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Except for Jay in Moreland. <laughs> no, except he for... has 19 feet. He does? Yes. Good gosh, Facebook. that guy. Does he have a video cam so you can watch it grow? Yeah, he, he says that they grow a foot sometimes. I'm like, what? Wow. That's... Wow. So I don't know exactly how he does it, but I, I think he covers a lot of his mm-hmm. growing area uh, with like shade and, and tenting, and uh, he's... He's one of the fanatics. It's a full-time job. Oh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I think he's got a, like a corral that he's put yeah. uh, mulch and uh, compost. compost. And so it's his compost is really, like three feet deep. Really fertile location. Really fertile. Mm-hmm. Plenty of nice water. Okay. Yeah. All right, and then uh, after he produces his big pumpkin, he comes and destroys everybody else's morale <laughs> at all of these local pumpkin growing contests, right? He says, See here, this is how you do it. Yeah, he so, just, just loads it up in a truck and figures out when the uh, when the weigh ins are and and yeah. arrives. And we went, oh, I was gonna say he went to the UW homecoming last year too with his so, pumpkin. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. Nice. <laughs> so we try to display our pumpkins and. And uh, I'm going to offer anybody, I've got a large parking lot, so if anybody wants to display their pumpkin, they don't have an area that they could display, or mm-hmm. Roberta, you could probably take it to school, and yeah. you know, we need to era, have an area where we can display our large pumpkin. Got to show off that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we're sort of looking for pumpkin carvers that can really... Uh, Ooh, do a good yeah. job of carving. Yeah, that'd be... So on a big, big pumpkin like that, I'm assuming you'd have to use a reciprocating saw. <laughs> Chainsaw, <laughs> repo saw, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, we've had another call. Uh, is it too late to plant a shade tree? Well, considering that yesterday was 105 degrees <laughs> and the weather outlook for next week, uh, it's probably going to be in the 90s. I would say it's probably too late. I would put that in the ground the end of August, maybe about the 15th of September, but um, I I don't think I would attempt to transplant anything right now as warm as it's getting. It's, yep. it's almost too yeah late. Yeah, it's yeah. too hot. And if you bought a if you bought a greenhouse tree, you know that would be another area that you could probably keep it in its burlap and maybe keep it until August and and try to baby it along and, and put it in a shady location. Put it in right. a shady location, you bet. Yeah, um, and I don't know if the uh, greenhouses would allow you to do this, but if you've bought and paid for it, if they'd care for it until the weather is a little more conducive, that would be helpful. Yeah, that'd be nice yeah. of the greenhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. All right, taking care of that one. Um, oh, wanted to bring up some, uh, some things uh, happening in um, Goshen County uh, and elsewhere around the state if you're interested. The Xerxes Society is... Uh, planning on being or having a meeting out at um, 
Sarek on July 16th. And this uh, the topic is Farming with Beneficial Insects for Pest Control. And um, the, uh, the contact information for this, uh, it's a registration fee of $45 if you're interested. Uh, space is limited. Pre-registration is required. And uh, I'm not going to read you the... Um, uh, web address to register uh, because it's rather lengthy but if you have questions um, call out to the uh, experiment station that's 837-2000 is the phone number Kelly's probably gonna kill me but uh, um, she can direct them to uh, how to register for that program if you're interested all right we have a phone call good morning you're on the air good morning I have a question about avocado trees okay <laughs> I had uh, one that I grew several years ago with the nut planted partway out of the ground like they say to do. Yes. And I thought I'd take it outside and let it have some shady air and the squirrel ate it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't after 30 minutes. That darn I Jimmy. Got, <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have two more that have sprouted, and these times the nuts are completely buried. But um, I want to know, if I want to make them bushy, do I pinch the top? How tall do I let them get before that? They're like two and a half feet now. <laughs> uh, i got to tell you, that is way outside of my uh, area of expertise. What do you think, Jerry? <laughs> but wouldn't that be like any other tree? I mean, we saw some avocado trees down in Florida growing, and they looked just like another tree. Right. Except they had these giant avocados in them yes and i'm like going, wow 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 and they had dropped fruit and the dropped fruit was actually sprouting just like your avocado tree that you're talking about and they were starting to grow and i thought geez we should dig that up and take it back to wyoming but we didn't do it so i would think that you'd treat it just like any other tree you'd have a apical maris the 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 main, main leader yeah the, the main, main leader. leader and if you wanted to make it bushy if you snipped it off it would send up other so i think that's particularly up to you although i wouldn't i wouldn't snip it off below all of the leaves i would make sure that there there are still if if it's got secondary branches on it because if you totally trim it off you're going to kill it right? oh yeah well i have a problem in that it just has a little umbrella of leaves and it just keeps getting taller and leaves stay right at the top Huh. Hmm. And your leaves fall off at the bottom? Well, they haven't yet. Okay. So, like, last week we had Amy Seiler on the show, and she was, I was talking about a honey locust tree that was about six foot tall, and she said, hey, keep those leaves on that tree. Don't be trimming your bottom leaves. Bottom leaves will fall off when, they, when they're done, when the tree's done with them. And until the tree is much, much bigger, don't be trimming those bottom leaves off. So I would think the same thing about your avocado tree. Uh, I'd sure put a cage around it so that the squirrel couldn't get to it. Because it, if it happened once, it'll happen again. Well, I figured it saw the big half of the nut sticking up out of the ground. And yeah. Thought, oh, yum. Yeah. Who, who knew that Wyoming squirrels liked avocados? <laughs> well, I will give it a try. I want to use them as houseplants because we can't plant them outside here. Sure. And so I didn't want it to get bigger than my house. Although, you know, you could put put it in a, in a fairly large container, and if you had it on wheels or in a wagon, you could take it in and out 
I think that that tree would like being outside in a shady area. Well, I have trees in the library at the middle school all winter, and then I bring them home and let them summer outside. You so bet. I yeah. think that's good for it, too. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you're, you. You're welcome, Connie. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. Bye. So, also, if you're, t- if you're thinking about starting a lawn, it's probably too late to be starting a lawn as well as yes, a shade tree. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's time to reap what you have done and not try to start something new. So I, I had a question about that as well. They had started, they had rototilled, they had, they had put seed out. Uh, the sides of the, of the area, so it's, let's say it's a rectangular area, the sides kind of grew, but the middle did not. So I advised keep what you had, just like you said, but then maybe try to sow some more in the fall. What do you think about throwing wheat seed in along with it as a cover? Um, I would use oats. Oats. So you wouldn't think that that would compete too hard with your grass seed. Right. You would cut the oats once. You'd just let the oats freeze off and die. Right. So the reason I would use oats is because they wouldn't be there next year. Yeah. And Well, uh, wouldn't if you if you kept cutting wheat, wouldn't wheat pass on as well? So wheat... Overwinters, it's, overwinters, and it'll stool. Yeah, and so um, it would come back up. It depends on what you're trying to do with your lawn, right? Grow a if, lawn. If you would prefer lawn, yeah, um, yeah. So we used wheat straw over the top of our lawn yeah. uh, <laughs> to as we were getting it established. Okay, that was two years ago, and I still have wheat coming oh, up. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I know about wheat straw. I rototilled wheat straw in the spring, and I had all this wheat coming up. Yeah. So I had to, again, rototill. Recreation, Mr. Recreational Rototiller. I have a good rototiller. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to me, when I'm trying to get something established, I would mix oats with it. Uh, oh, just a good plan. Just because you don't have that overwintering of that particular crop, um, but that's just me. So oats and oats in the fall, it'll, they'll come up. They'll, they will germinate. They'll germinate easy. And if you plant them in the a little cover, if you plant them in the fall, they usually will not have enough time to head out. Right. Right. So then you won't have uh, volunteers the following year. Yeah. Okay. But I, uh, the the. The turf question that you're talking about, I had exactly the same thing happen in my turf. Uh, it was really nice and thick around the edges. The middle, it germinated, but it's not as thick as everywhere else. But when you're dealing with new turf, to me, it takes at least two years for new turf to actually look like what you think it should look like right after you plant it. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants <laughs> everybody wants a carpet after they've... they've planted seed right right but you have to have enough time for that seed to you know it's it's working on its root system it grows its uh, canopy a little bit and then it works on the root system and then it continues to keep doing that until it fills in so you'd suggest scratching the surface roughing it up reseeding yes yeah you bet yeah you could you can do that yep fallish so what time are you talking about um Cools down. Yeah, when it cools down, I would say the end of August. So the same time you plant your your uh, garlic. 
sure. Gar- Diane's the garlic planner, so oh, I can't. So, yeah, I always think yeah. first around August is when you plant garlic. Shh, unless you're late. Unless you're, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're late in the end of September. Yeah. Wow. I have to say, we have used up all of our time this morning. Dang it. Um, I appreciate, appreciate you both for being here today. Thank you, Roberta, for being thank here. Thank you. And thank you, Jerry, for being here as well. Thanks for having me. And uh, I will not be here next week. Uh, you guys will have your own program, and uh, I'll be back in two weeks. Well, you enjoy your time off. Uh, we'll try to hold the fort down. I'm sure you'll do just fine. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with UW Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and Jerry Urshabek. Presented by UW Extension. We'll see you next time.